Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Mulstein, and this is the podcast where we talk about elements of the Scriptures that have become real for us so that we can better understand them and, and allow them to be in our lives in a more powerful way. Today, we're going to have a short cast where we talk about a specific element of the, uh, the covenant and the laws of Moses in that covenant. And some of these laws that I'm going to talk about are covered in the Come Follow Me reading. And there's more that we uh, they, you're not reading than not having to read all of Leviticus. So I love Leviticus, and I think there's more symbolism in there than most people realize. Um, but we want to just touch on, we're just going to touch on one aspect of the many, many, many aspects that are in the covenant and in the laws. Remember, keeping the uh, the laws or the commandments is our primary obligation of the covenant. First one of those is to love God. We'll talk more about that when we get to Deuteronomy. The second is to love your neighbor, which is actually uh, in Leviticus and in one of the chapters we read from uh, Leviticus uh, for Come Follow Me. That's that's where we get this commandment to love thy neighbor. Um, and so we're going to look at that aspect of the covenant and the law of Moses today. It's based on an article I've written called uh, in a book called Covenant of Compassion. This is a collection for the Sperry Symposium for this last uh, fall back in October of uh, 2021. And uh, my article is called Covenantal Command, Love Thy Neighbor. And the idea is that we just kind of go through and look at the different elements of the law of Moses that they're commanded to, to keep as part of the covenant that are designed to take care of each other, that are focused on this love thy neighbor commandment in the law. And there's so much of this that is focused on taking care of people who can't take care of themselves. And it's an important aspect of the, the covenant that we'll talk about more next time, this idea of uh, chesed, uh, or in a couple times when we do Deuteronomy. But chesed, or a mercy that God has for us because we're in a covenant relationship with him, a special kind of love and mercy. But it's also something that we should have for each other because we're in a covenant relationship with each other. And so part of the way God shows his chesed or his covenantal mercy and love to us is by having us show it to each other. And we become his hands in a way of of, uh, allowing that to happen. Now, we should show this to everyone, but in particular, we're supposed to show it for those who are in need those who need protection or need help. Most often in the the scriptures, that is referred to as orphans. And by that, they they typically mean even if your mother is alive, but you're fatherless, then you're considered an orphan just because uh, you don't have that kind of legal uh, representation of protector and provider. But orphans, widows, and uh, strangers, or in other words, people who are not uh, native Israelites, and so they didn't come in with land rights and all sorts of other things. Um, those are the, the groups that are most often mentioned. Uh, there can be other groups mentioned as special needs groups, right? People who are uh, in need of help. But those are the ones that are, are mentioned the most. The widow, um, the fatherless, and the stranger, which means resident alien, as it were, among you. And there are all sorts of ways, uh, and the poor, are often included, not, not as not as much as those three, but it's a it's a fourth one that is often included. And so, um, many of the laws are designed to take care of these groups, uh, and and typically the the widow, the orphan, and the resident alien are the poor. Not, I mean, there are others that become poor, but but that's 
who uh, it makes up kind of the, the bulk, at least in, in the Old Testament law, the bulk of those who are poor. So there are a number of things that are set up to make sure that people are taken care of. Some of these we've talked about before. So the law of leveret marriage, I'm not going to talk about very much here because I talked about it in the Judah and Tamar story. And I'll just encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. But it's this idea that when uh, someone dies, uh, a, a husband dies and there's no one to take care of that wife, that the family takes care of the wife and even uh, provides her with offspring if she has not yet had offspring. Um, it's a beautiful law. It sounds strange to us, but it's a beautiful law that really is designed to take care of someone who needs to be taken care of and not let family lines sigh out. So I'll encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast. It will be important to understand that when we get to the Ruth story. Another thing that will help us understand the Ruth story, and that is a big part of the law of Moses, is gleaning. Um, you are commanded to do a few things that allows people to, to come and help themselves, as it were. So you're not just going to give handouts. You're going to provide a way for people to come and do some work, but there is a way for them to, to get some food. So, for example, you don't um, harvest the corners of your field. So they're harvesting with sickles which uh, ends up making kind of a circular motion. So if you've got a square field, then the, the, uh, you'll end up, as you do a circular motion, with a little bit left in each corner. You don't take another step and cut that down. You leave that so that the poor can get it. If you're gathering sheaves and some fall out or you forget to bring a sheaf in, yeah, you leave that. And a sheaf is a, a bundle of, of stalks of grain and so on. Um, you leave that for the poor. To, to go and um, just gather for themselves. You, as stuff falls when you're harvesting, you leave that which has fallen. And if you're uh, really trying to keep this, then you just leave some in general, uh, all right? And that's true of, of uh, grains, but it's true of uh, you don't shake all of the olives out of your tree. You don't uh, gather all of the grapes, uh, and whatever it is that you're harvesting, there are some that are, should always be left so that others can go and harvest it themselves. So you see they're putting the work in, but there is a way and a place where they can get food. That's, that's really important. Um, so uh, this is a, a great way of providing for those who are in need. There are other ways, though, to help those because while that will help them, it may, for in many cases, it won't be enough to see them through the entire year. It might get them through that uh, period where they're actually gleaning through the harvest period, but it probably won't provide enough for the entire year. So they uh, established something else. It's called a tithe. And tithe literally means tenth. Uh, and uh, this is the biblical basis for a tithe. So every three years, the Israelites were to take a tenth of everything that they uh, they had all of their their uh, increase, as it were, right? All their grain, whatever else, and they bring it to the the leaders, uh, the elders of their village or their city, uh, and then that would be stored. And then the the poor could come and ask for provisions from that storehouse. Um, further, every time you have a festival, and under the law of Moses, there are a number of festivals you keep: the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles, and so on. Um, they're supposed to remember that they've been in bondage and that they were um, in need and that God provided for them. And then they are supposed to bring uh, enough to the festival that um, 
they, they could invite others or leave some for others. So someone who is too poor to have a feast on their own should be able to go to the places where these festivals are being held and just be invited in and have that, that festival be given to them, have a great, big, wonderful meal, and maybe be given the leftovers to take home and so on, right? Uh, so, for example, I saw this. I mean, you see it in lots of wards and lots of places. I, I saw it in particular in Hawaii where you'd have all sorts of uh, gatherings with tons of food. You always bring like way more food than anyone can eat. You eat as much as you can, but then you gather up that food and you send it home with people who could really use it. Uh, I can remember when I was first in Hawaii, we were having a hard time making grocery budget. I had student uh, loans. I just started um, working and earning and, and hadn't gotten raises or anything yet. We were living in Hawaii. It was expensive. This really was a blessing to us that people would send us home with food. It, it really was a great blessing in our lives. It's how we made grocery budget quite often. Um, and so that kind of thing should be happening all the time. Uh, and, and the Israelites are commanded to do that so that everyone can rejoice together and partake of this uh, festival, but also hopefully have uh, something even the next day. You're also, you've got the law of redemption. And I've talked about that a little bit already. The idea of being redeemed, meaning that if you're sold into, because you can't meet your debt, uh, you took out a loan to your farmer and you took out a loan to get by until you, you know, because you needed stuff to plant and you'll be able to pay it off when you harvest. But maybe the harvest isn't as good. And there are all sorts of things that can happen that get you into debt. And so to meet the debt, your land is sold and then your children and then your wife and then yourself. Um, and then you can be redeemed either by a redeemer or as we'll talk about <clears throat> in a little while, um, you are uh, uh, going to uh, be able to just be released every few years. So let's talk about a number of laws that are in place, <clears throat> excuse me, for those who are and get themselves into debt more than what they can pay off. So first of all, there are laws about lending. Israelites are supposed to lend liberally and to other covenant people, they're not supposed to charge interest. You just lend and have them pay it back to you, but you don't charge interest and that makes it much easier to be able to pay back uh, and not get out of debt. That, that's a commandment in the law of Moses to lend liberally uh, and you can expect them to pay you back, but not interest if they're part of the, the covenant people. Um, but then, as I said, <clears throat> if you, um, even with that, if you can't pay it off, your closest kinsman can buy back your land, can buy back your children, your wife and you, they can buy all of that back. That's why there is a birthright child. They're given a double inheritance because they're supposed to, first of all, take care of the, the widow, this leveret law that we talked about, but also redeem anyone uh, who has lost their land or their freedom. Uh, that's, that's part of what the birthright child obligation is, and they're given extra inheritance to be able to pull that off. And so the idea is that even if you liked having you, me as your slave, if my uh, closest kinsman wanted to buy me back, you can't refuse him. Uh, and so you can be purchased back and be given freedom. There are also Sabbath years. Every seventh year, you're supposed to let your fields lay fallow and you don't plant or harvest. And it seems like sometimes they work this out that like 
this field had its different seven year cycles, right? So this field had a seventh year this year and this one this year, there were different ways they worked this out. And sometimes they really did it this way it's outlined. Um, so they, they would, you're supposed to have gathered enough that you can get by during that seventh year. Um, and anything that grows uh, naturally, like, you know, some things, grapes and other things will just keep continuing to produce or to produce. And uh, that's something that the poor can go and glean. Uh, but also on that seventh year, you're supposed to forgive debt. Now, lenders are specifically warned, don't avoid lending in the sixth year because you know that you forgive the debt in the seventh year and so you won't get paid back. You just need to be that generous. That's really what is being asked of you is to be that generous. Um, and uh, also, if someone has become a servant because they couldn't uh, uh, pay their debt, then they're set free during the seventh year. But you're not just set free. Um, you're supposed to be given some things that will help you get started. You're not just said, okay, go out and good luck. And most likely you'll be my servant again next year because you don't have anything to start with to start planting or anything. You're supposed to give them enough to be able to find a way to live and a way to plant and, and get started on their own. So whoever you've had as a servant, when you send them forward uh, in this year of freedom, then you absolutely are supposed to help them get started. Now, there's also the Jubilee year that we'll, we'll talk about in a moment, but that's when you get seven years of, of uh, seven, all right? Uh, I do want to point out that the Lord promises bounty to anyone who keeps these Sabbath year laws. He basically promises that if you are lending liberally and forgiving debt, that you'll end up being so blessed by him that you'll come out ahead. Uh, that's that's really kind of similar to tithing promises and promises associated with fast offerings and so on. And I believe that this is true. I believe this happens in our life. And, and one of the things I hope we're doing, we don't keep these exact laws now, but I hope that we're thinking of, okay, well, how does this apply to me? How do I, and this is where it can become real. I may not have anyone that's in debt to me and I need to let them free in the seventh year, but how can I help people get freedom? Uh, in all sorts of different ways. How can I be liberal in my helping of people? Uh, think about these things and the spirit will guide you. So as I said, after seven sets of Sabbath years of 49 years, the next year, the 50th year is a Jubilee and you sound the trump and everyone uh, is supposed to be set free and all land is set free and, and so on. Um, and uh, the exception of this rule was uh, houses within walled cities. And I'm, I'm guessing that's because uh, you didn't have ancestral homes in there. You just had homes that could kind of trade and go back and forth. But I don't really know. Um, so uh, seized lands could be released. Uh, all sorts of things are released. It, any land that has been lost, family land, all land is family land. And someone can take it over. But in the Jubilee year, it all has to revert back. Every 50 years, this has to revert back to the descendants of the original inheritors of that land um, when they first come into the promised land. So every 50 years Everyone, all the land goes back to where it, it, it was at one point. And you can't have these people who end up owning all sorts of land and other people don't have any land. It gets reset every generation, basically. Um, so that's, that's really important. Um, so these are um, uh, some of the laws that are set up for 
taking care of the disadvantaged and the poor. But there, there's some teeth behind this. God tells you that if you are not doing this, you're oppressing the poor. Okay, so there are some ways of oppressing the poor, meaning you take advantage of them. But God says you're oppressing the poor if you're not helping them. You're robbing the poor if you're not giving of them. That, that Giving to them, I mean. That's really important. And God then says that he will come out against those who oppress the poor. This is important to recognize that, that he will come out in judgment against anyone who's oppressing the poor. And oppressing the poor is defined as not being as generous and liberal as you should be. So as I'm listening to this, I'm recommitting to myself. I, I don't think I'm being as generous and liberal as I should be. And I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to find ways to be better at this. And I hope you will as well, because it becomes very clear to me uh, as I study the laws of Moses, that God cares about this and he cares about his people. And he both, I think there's a, a twofold element to this. He wants, he doesn't want his people to be hungry. He doesn't want them to be in bondage, but he also wants us to become the kind of people that love each other so much that we are helping and we are sharing. Uh, he's concerned with the change in us, the change in our nature. Uh, and that's part of what is at stake here, both taking care of other people and becoming more Christ-like as we love God and love our neighbor. That's a part of the law of Moses, a part of the covenant, and it's outlined beautifully in the book of Leviticus and also in Deuteronomy and in Numbers a little bit, but primarily in Leviticus. I hope we can take these principles and have a, a change in us, that this is part of uh, becoming more godly, being able to progress more into the Holy of Holies through the celestial kingdom or God's presence. Part of that is to kill off the things in us that want to hold on to our food or our property or our possessions or our money or whatever, to kill off that part of us and instead give it. And when we do that, we're becoming more Christ-like and more godly, and we level up and we progress towards uh, being with God and, and this journey to be with God. So that's a way of tying a couple of these shortcasts together. And I hope that I can do better at this, and I hope you can as well. 